Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Hulu's Fresh and because this movie markets itself as a rom-com, we'll get into how accurate that is. I had to uh, put up the back signal to uh, reconvene my rom-com correspondence first. Uh, she hasn't had Facebook in some time, but we're not going to hold that against her as a creepy thing. It's Lisa Koshbakti. Lisa, what's going on? Good to be back, Josh. It's been a while and happy to be back with Denise as well. Yeah, and we're joined by our resident Daisy Edgar Jones doppelganger, Denise Ackerman. Denise, what's yes, going on? Yes, that's the only reason I'm on this podcast. <laughs> yes. Oh you my god. That's <laughs> <laughs> great to be here. So happy you're with Lisa too. So <laughs> as 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 I referenced, uh Fresh is uh the newest new, newest movie from Hulu. It's directed by Mimi Cave. It's her directorial debut, written by Lauren Conniff, uh a, a former uh, assistant to Adam McKay, and uh, who is also a producer on this movie. It stars uh Daisy Edgar Jones as Noah and and Sebastian Stan as Steve. Uh, Noah is a uh, just a, a young a young professional in Portland, Oregon. She is a single person trying to just get by. She's doing the online dating game, uh, really uh, having about as fun of a time with it as the rest of us do. Uh, we get we get some insight into what one of those dates might be like. We'll talk about that, and it does not go well. Then she's you know she laments that to her friend, but then one day she happens upon another guy I, I, just in the in the produce aisle of a grocery store who uh, finds a cute way to approach her, and she ends up getting his number. His name is Steve. He seemingly nice guy, almost like too perfect on paper, a plastic surgeon. Uh, they really hit it off on a date. They, 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 they hook up right away. And within a couple of dates, he has invited her to, uh, go away with him. And, uh, she's so taken with this guy that she, she agrees. And they end up spending uh, the first night of their trip in like his very, very remote house. And, uh, within a few seconds of getting there, uh, he makes her a drink. Turns out that drink is uh, not just a drink, but rather some uh, a, a drug drink. And he uh, locks her up in his basement and wakes her up to inform her, I have now kidnapped you and will be uh, cutting you up and selling your uh, flesh at, on the black market to uh, sketchy rich people. Guys, I think I was really excited to talk to you guys about this because it's a rom-com on paper. We've talked about a lot of rom-coms, but it, it obviously turns into something uh, much, much more than that. And I think the way it was like largely pitched to me, and I I, I really, really knew nothing about the twist. You guys might've known. I think you guys probably uh, had heard different things to varying degrees, but we all went into it not really knowing the uh, cannibal aspect of it. At least uh, I, I don't think Denise did. I don't know what knowledge you went into it with Alyssa, but I I guess all I'd really heard though, is that like, oh man, it's, it's a really interesting twist on the perils of modern dating. And that's all I really knew. And I went in and I watched this. And so I guess I'll uh, start with I'll, I'll start with you, Lisa, because I know you, you you I think you watched this before either of us did and, and you really liked it. I'm curious. Uh, I know you really enjoyed the movie. Uh, what what did you enjoy most about it? Because I think that it's like there's way more to it than that, because I think that's like th th that's almost like false advertising because there's like the movie is trying to do a lot more than just that. And my thing, my ultimate thing was like, I'm not sure if it's saying that much more beyond modern dating beyond the fact that it sucks and guys shouldn't be allowed to be as attractive as Sebastian Stan. So I'm wondering uh, what, what, what ultimately you really, really liked about fresh. Um, that's such a hard question because I think going back to it, I only heard about the film because I obviously like a lot of other people find Sebastian Stan very handsome and I knew he was going to be <laughs> in a film and he was writing the, you know, Pam and Tommy Hulu wave. And we accidentally watched it so early because we were on Hulu that night watching Pam and Tommy. Mm. And we were like, oh, shoot, it drops at midnight Eastern. So that is one benefit of being on the West Coast. <laughs> and so all of that to say is that I think I love the movie, actually, for a lot of reasons outside of the plot being like, 
men suck. Don't date the first guy <laughs> you meet in the supermarket. Maybe the apps <laughs> are safer. Um, but I think the longer I sit in my like entertainment career, I'm just really amazed that this is the director's first feature film. She got two really big actors. And I like that the ending was kind of simple, but you're sitting there kind of laughing and you're just like, what did I experience? I don't think it's uncut gems level anxiety, but it gets pretty close to it. So I think for a mix of like the plot being very silly, the movie not taking itself like too seriously and you know just me being amazed by a first-time director pulling this off that's kind of holistically why i love fresh well so it's it's, it's interesting you talk about it not taking itself too seriously because it's, it's obviously a dark comedy and i think it right. uh it, it really does a, a pretty pretty impressive job of like striking that tonal balance given just how horrific some of the stuff going on in here is. And one of the things I'd written down to ask you, and I may as well ask you now, I want to know if that's, and I hate to like bring it back to this movie again, but I'm curious, was that the thing you like most about this that like you didn't respond to well in Promising Young Woman, which in a way is like kind of uh, not, not a hundred percent dissimilar to this movie. And that was like a, a first time woman director, like doing something about like some, uh, a, a story that dealt with themes of women being like taken advantage of in certain ways. But it seems like, yeah. is it maybe your vibe to have it not necessarily be like, just like a, a, a pure, revenge thriller as opposed to like something where it's like hey let's find a comedic spin on that and is that sounds like maybe what you responded to in this right I think that's a good callback because they are really like similar in tone I think for me promising young woman was too on the nose mm-hmm. for me which is why it didn't quite work for me and that ending just seems so unrealistic whereas because fresh didn't take itself too seriously but all also put the horrors of dating literally into a horror film for me that was more fun so I think that's what I'll say about both of those films. Yeah. Denise, when we were, uh, before we started recording, you had mentioned how like uh, it, it kind of caught you off guard too, and that you would maybe prepare yourself for something uh, a little darker. Uh, what, did you find yourself being pleasantly surprised as you watched this movie with the different turns that it took? Yeah, I did. And just for context, um, I had watched a trailer. I'm not sure if it was like the latest trailer, but I'd seen the trailer and I knew that this guy sort of sweeps up Daisy Edgar Jones's character Noah and it seems like he has some sort of darker persona and so I was thinking he was going to get abusive there was some some BDSM element to it or something like that but it I, I I'm actually a lot I feel a lot better about how this film turned out because I think to that end I haven't seen Promising Young Woman but I think um we laugh about things that we are sometimes anxious about, especially as women. So like, that's why I think, you know, these like true crime podcasts, the joke as they talk about like, you know, assault and murder, especially of young women are so popular with women. And so I think, you know, obviously the sort of depravity and like the um, excessiveness of the film lets you kind of exhale a little bit because it, it, it still feels like fantasy, even while, you are like kind of a little bit uncomfortable because you're like, this is kind of plausible. I could, you know, women have gone on Tinder dates and they've wound up assaulted or killed. Not to say that we have to talk about that element to it, but there is that sort of like, you know, this is kind of a perfect stranger, whether you meet him on an app or you meet him in a grocery store, um, you're really rolling the dice when you decide to spend time with someone, particularly if you're alone with them and in an undisclosed location, so... Yeah, like I said, I maybe based on how it had been pitched to me, I maybe expected it to be a little bit more about the modern dating stuff than it really was. But it packs a ton of that into that first like 
45 minutes. I mean, up and through like the point I would, I would include where Noah's friend Molly played by uh, Jonica T. Gibbs. She ends up like figuring out something's wrong pretty quickly. And there's a fun sequence where she just like figures out how to like, with nothing really more than like a last name, figures out how to like track down, like something's not up, including like reverse Google image searching and uh, things like that. And so it's, it's just a very big part of like the world, like knowing like how, how technology has kind of shaped how you might approach someone initially. And I kind of joked about it in the opening list. So with respect to uh, you not being on Facebook, but do you guys actually, can, do you guys, I've heard multiple girls say before that they think it's actually attractive if the guy's not on social media. Do you guys consider that a red flag or not? Cause I thought that's something that like the movie, like, it was funny how they treated it where some people actually might think that like, Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing uh, unusual about that. That's like a thing that people it's healthy for you to not be on social media. Cause it can be bad, but like some people see that as a red flag. What is your reaction when you find out, like if you found out that a guy just is, has no digital footprint, would that weird you out? Listen, do you want to go first? You want me to go? I say, I like can... you and I have sidebarred about dating so hard. This is our time to shine. So <laughs> okay. No. So I will say I am NSA level stalker when it comes to <laughs> a first dates. Um, so if I can, like, if I can find out his parents' childhood home and see it on Google earth, then we're good. I know this person has like an, is, is, is on the grid somehow. Um, but I will say if, if he's not on social media, at least like this might sound very odd, but if he doesn't have a LinkedIn profile, then I'm a little bit mm, right? concerned because this is a person who has like a normal job and I can kind of get a, a bit of a feel for what this person looks like. Instagram, less so, or Facebook, I think as long as there's some sort of footprint online, especially if it's like a, you know, if it's work related or maybe there's something in the news or whatever it is, so long as there's some sort of thing I can find out about this person, then I'm like, all right, we can move forward with the date. But I will say like, I think also it's, it's the age. Like if he's a bit older, I'm less sort of taken with this idea if he's like not on social media, if he's in his thirties or something. And he's like, you know, I don't really have time. And I decided to take a break. Um, but I understand why it would give some women pause. I know I have girlfriends who are like, if he doesn't have Instagram or Facebook, then I, I don't want to go out with him. I think he's kind of a creep and I don't know if you can really convince those women. So what, what, what do you think? Let's say, do you, do you think it's weird when you hear someone just like off the, off the grid? No, Denise kind of nailed it on the head. I know. I guess I'm a hypocrite because I don't have a Facebook anymore. So there's nothing wrong I'm with on, that. You're on, you're on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. I post enough on Instagram to make up for me not having a Facebook. <laughs> why I always feel bad. Cause you always know my thoughts on a movie before we get onto the podcast. And, and, and you've still given uh, Facebook your info anyway, by being on Instagram. <laughs> I was going to say they already have my information, but no, I kind of echo Denise's thoughts. I'm like, okay, if you don't have a Facebook, that's okay. If you have no social media at all, I think it's a little bit strange. I think nowadays we are counting LinkedIn as social media. So I feel that Denise, but unfortunately a lot of my like filmmaker friends don't have LinkedIn. So I'll give them that. But at least if the like photographer bro doesn't have an Instagram, then that's a little bit sketchy. You know, he might not have any photos of himself, but at least have an Instagram, you know? So I think, her first mistake was realizing that, you know, if, I don't know if it's a spoiler or not, but that he doesn't have an Instagram. I mean, he doesn't have any social media. Yeah. So our, our, our friend Josh Brown is in the clear. He's an amateur photographer and he has a photography account that he plugs on here a lot. Yes. Uh, yeah. But oh, no, but I, I, it's interesting. You mentioned the, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You mentioned Josh is a good egg. Any woman. <laughs> yeah. Girl, ladies. He's he's one of the good ones, so don't don't be worried. Yeah. All right, all right. We'll have to we'll have to put we'll have to put a uh, I'll have to let him know he needs to listen to this podcast. Uh, you, so it's funny you mentioned the age thing, Denise, because they don't talk about it in the movie. But Sebastian Stan is like 16 years older than Daisy Edgar Jones. Uh, I mean, he's 
I, I mean, he's, he looks good for his age. So it's not like, oh my God, like an old dude is creepy hunter type of thing. But like, I just know as someone that like randomly knows a lot about how old actors are that like, oh, well, he's a lot older. So like, and maybe like within the context of the movie, she recognizes this guy's older. It doesn't raise a red flag for her. Then when she finds out he's not on social media, this guy's a, a doctor. He has better things to do than like, deal with like frivolous online postings and whatnot. And so I, it kind of goes to what you're saying where it's like, man, this whole story, like it, it can hit a little close to home, just how realistic something might like this could happen. Like someone could easily like talk themselves into the fact that like, it's reasonable that this guy doesn't have social media and they go on a few dates and it all seems great. And then like, all of a sudden, like you go, you want to go, you go on a couple of dates and everything seems great. And all of a sudden, like, whoa, it, it's, it's, it's like too late and you're already caught up in it. So I kind of found that to be like pretty realistic because not, not, not just how plausible that seems, but also how self-aware that character was. Uh, and I thought that was like a big theme throughout the movie. And that like, she is constantly being like, how could I do this? How could I do this? How could I do this? And I think it comes to, I think, uh, the other, like later in the movie, um, early, she spends a lot of the movie talking to one of the other captives named Penny, uh, played by Andrea Bang from Kim's Convenience. I was, uh, very happy to see her, like, get to kind of do something a little different from that. And, uh, she has to tell, like, she has to tell, no, it's not your fault. So it's kind of like, it's kind of interesting how the movie doesn't just like make her someone that's like totally oblivious to everything that has happened. She's like commenting on it throughout the movie and just like mad at herself for how stupid she could be. And everyone has to like remind her like, no, it's not your fault. Men suck. And I just thought it was kind of cool that like just her being acutely aware of that throughout the movie and that choice to have her to even give her the agency to recognize that. And then like actually try and take matters in their own hands. It was kind of a different, it was, it was an interesting twist on like having, having a character in that precarious of a situation. Yeah. I think I'm curious what you both think. Cause now that that's making me think of something. First of all, I was kind of worried. I don't know if either of you were like, had like your mind went to this place, but Mm -hmm. I was worried that Penny um, and where Melissa were actually like Anne masquerading oh. and like actually getting like um, information from her. So I, I was like concerned. I was like, wait, what if this is like all a setup? Like, I don't know. Maybe this part of the man- manipulation tactic, but I'm probably like overtly paranoid. So, you know, who knows? But I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, we are f- kind of fed throughout our lives, this sort of like meet cute narrative. And like, I've, I've bought into it, right? You meet this guy and he could be the one and who knows. And I think it's kind of interesting that women nowadays have become overly cautious. So for example, when I go on a first date, I have, you know, m- many of my girlfriends have my location shared with them. They, they share their locations. We give like, I'm going to be at this restaurant here. Like if you don't hear from me at this point, like call me, whatever it is. So in a way we've become more cautious and yet we, we still have this sort of romantic fantasy that you see at the beginning of the film I, I I just think there's like there's this sort of like guarded element no this you as like a human being kind of know I have to be cautious and then sometimes it's very difficult when you get swept up into something so the fact that she's constantly like how could I do this like it, it's not that hard to to see it especially because she was vulnerable she doesn't have her family and and you start I, I felt my heart sinking when he's probing her and asking her questions, because obviously you have this like preamble as she so aptly puts like, how many siblings do you have? And where did you go to school? And like, what's and your he, deal? And where he's so cute about it too. He's like, oh, here, I got to ask the questions, you know, like acting like it's just an obligatory yes, thing. Like, and hey, I know this is cheesy, but I got to do it. And he does it in a cute way. And it's like actually kind of sinister, obviously. Yeah. And he's, but what he really wants to know is how difficult is it going to be to get her off the grid? So it Mm -hmm. it really makes, made me think about like, when we share information with strangers, what kind of information do we share? And it's something that I've thought about before on a first date with a guy, certainly like, 
how much do I really, should I divulge? And, and I, at the end of the day, I don't really know this person and we don't really owe each other. But then if you, but yeah, but then if you're, you're, but then if you're reticent to answer a simple question, then you just sound like you're not really like you you come, you you disengage your standoffish. It's like a interesting like balance in this movie like kind of it kind of makes the kind of makes the i mean and not only does it make like a uh the comedic spin on a first date that it, it gives you in the first scene just seem horrifying but it like then, then it makes you like think like wow could this like actually be like uh this thing that should be mundane could it actually be like uh dangerous that it's, it's 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 very frightening and i mean obviously especially especially to women Lisa, what did you think when we uh first started learning in the movie a little more about about steve and the, had the revelation about his family what how, how did how did that play for you i know i actually haven't quite thought about that part of the film yet i think it was a great comparison to what was going on inside the like factory house yeah, I don't know. I, I, well, I do you think, do you think, I mean, okay, so here's, here's the take I had on it. I'm curious what you think. I mean, because yeah. I, I thought about it a lot. I was trying to think, what else am I missing about this movie that like, uh, besides, besides whatever it has to say about dating? And I'm wondering, I mean, I mean, oh, that I, amazing I, title card, 40 minutes in. Oh, <laughs> so good. Well, that, 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 yeah, well, no, I mean, that, that, that was incredibly well done. But I was thinking about the fact that like, I read another review that made the point that like, it thought they should have done a, the fact that like things go the way they do for Molly, but the two, the two victims that he takes as, as lovers are white women and uh, a movie one, the movie wanted it to do a little bit more with that, with respect to, I guess, whatever, whatever it could have said about race. And my thought was like, the fact that like, Anne ends up being like she did. I thought that was like very, I thought that was very interesting how complicit she ends up uh, turning out to be based on however you want to imagine the beginning of that relationship went i'm wondering like is that saying something about like i don't know the what what is it the is it is it the 53 percent of white women that voted for trump or something like that i I, not that not that the movie's being that explicitly political but just saying like look like there's a there's a certain segment of white women that are just gonna like kind of go against their own interest and here's like a horrifying way of putting that given that like this woman has one leg denise did you have any thoughts on that character um, so I, I am super curious what Lisa thinks, but in a way I was thinking, you know, um, like Paul Bernardo, like the, the guy, he was like a killer from, uh, from Canada, but he hmm. abducted young girls and his wife, Carla Homolka, I think is her name. Like I watched uh, an entire documentary on this. <laughs> um, she was, she helped him abduct these, these, these teenage girls and, and, you know, rape them and kill them and hold them hostage and so there was always this you know she always claimed she was a victim and she was abused by him and she um you know she she had Stockholm syndrome and so I think when we finally see that Anne has you know one leg I just kept thinking about that relationship but at one point you could argue she was a victim and she was manipulated manipulated but that at some point the agency that she did have was causing direct harm and you know, helping murder these innocent women, and so in some ways, I, I, I was torn because I was like, this is an objectively bad person who also was put into a bad circumstance. She, she's obviously given a leg to her husband's like depraved interests. So that was just something I was thinking about. Well, let me let me ask you more specifically then, Lisa, with respect to like not even necessarily that corner of the movie, but you mentioned the title card. So I mean, yeah. it, it seems like it's going to be like. I mean, that's setting you up in a way before it, because you don't know the tone it's going to actually take from there at that point. I mean, maybe if you saw the trailer, it, that gave something away with the, I actually didn't watch the trailer. So I don't know what you would brace yourself for at that point. It obviously seems uh, just quite disturbing that like you, you, you at least figure out she, that she has been drugged and then she wakes up. Yeah. What did you think about how they played that like prisoner captor dynamic? Oh, I would say up until 
she starts to like kind of get the upper hand later on. What did you think about that and how it sounds like you actually did kind of like the tone the movie strikes when he is just trying to play the like the, hey, I'm going to make it easy on you. It's going to be a nice time up until you actually die. I'm, I'm going to treat you really well and cook for you. What, 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 what were you getting from Sebastian Stan there as opposed like with respect to like how that made the tone of the movie work for you? Because we we talked a little bit about how like uh, before the pod about like Pam and Tommy, but like, I mean, he's really getting to shine in those moments where it's like, as opposed to just playing the nice guy, he's having to do even, he's having to do even more work there to like play the nice guy, but he's also trying to like be self-aware about the fact that like an upfront and actually kind of honest about what he's doing. It's like a very interesting mix of things he's having to do. Oh, absolutely. I think Sebastian Stan is really in a series of psycho character moments and he's playing it really well so i hope the poor guy doesn't keep getting typecasted but honestly he does it so well because i think he's you know obviously very handsome and like devilishly charming and so i think what he's doing in the film so kind of backtracking for me mm -hmm. i think the title card 40 minutes in of course is a whole discussion on its own because i think it was a really amazing choice but for me i think that really shifts the tone in the film and gives the audience a chance to say you know, oh shit, <laughs> like this is not going to go the way that you think it's going to go unless you kind of watch the trailer. But I watched the trailer and I didn't know it was going to go into the route that it was going to go into. But I think what that does up until that point, because yeah, if my, you know, new boo played Blood Orange and Dance With Me in the Kitchen and bought us takeout, yeah, I'd be smitten too. So I think <laughs> the creation of what, <laughs> Denise is giving me the um, <laughs> sign, but um, I think the creation of what his character does up until the title title card moment is perfect because you really are kind of like falling for this guy as Noah is and so when the title card hits you're really in an oh shit moment and you kind of like perk up on the couch or hopefully one day you're watching in a theater I really wish I saw some theaters because I think it deserved a theater screening but all that to say is I think because Sebastian plays a psycho so well you weirdly are still kind of like falling for him or at least maybe I was naively while he was you know literally kidnapping her because you're like he's so handsome though and he's doing it and then when she's kind of in on it towards the end you're like oh maybe it could work and then it's kind of nice because you say oh shit to Sebastian at first what is he gonna do but then the nice thing is the woman kind of regains control and you're like oh shit what is she gonna do so I think it, it created a nice balance with Sebastian's craziness throughout it but he kind of tones it down so that Noah's character kind of does the reverse towards the end. Denise were you uncomfortable with how charming you found Steve? <laughs> At the beginning I think after <laughs> after the reveal I was I was honestly kind of grossed out with him I don't know I, I just knowing that totally understandable the man is a cannibal yeah once I found out he was a cannibal I was like any it, it's like when you have a crush on a guy and he does something that pisses you off and you're like oh, oh my god I don't like you anymore goodbye um so I, yeah <laughs> okay asshole um so you know you you for me that was it was a bit easier to switch off that persona but I think it's interesting because we can never quite hate him and it's never quite sinister when like you have these moments of pastiche and like also like these like glittery like synth pops songs he's dancing in the kitchen while he's like cutting up a femur like i vacuum sealing vacuum sealing human meat yeah there's this like fever dream-esque part of it and that makes him feel a lot more fun and and even some people might find those scenes jarring 
but I would, to, to Lissa's point, I would say that that still keeps him kind of human. Denise, There's did you did, 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 be honest? Did that pasta dish look tasty to you? No. So I will say <laughs> I have a, cons- I have a conspiracy theory. PETA had to have helped fund this movie, not just because of the weird thing he says that we now understand when he says, I don't eat, I don't eat animals versus I don't eat meat. Um, Cause he eats a certain type of meat. The, it made meat look so unappetizing to me because you can't even tell if well, you're like already vegan though. <laughs> yeah, but I was like, oh my God, I wonder if this is funded by PETA. Like, you know how like some Marvel movies were like funded by the Pentagon or the Pentagon had some sort of say in it. I was like, oh, interesting. Like maybe there's some <laughs> sort of, so I, not that maybe. I actually think that, but it, it made meat look unappetizing to me, to be honest. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> more, I, um, more than it already is, I'll just say, but yeah. Sure, 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 sure. I'm, I'm going to work my way backwards to the beginning of the movie at the end of this. We can talk, we can yeah. tell dating stories at that point, but I'm, I'm curious <laughs> uh, what, what you guys thought, like at the, what you guys thought, we, we already touched on it a little bit. What did you think about the way in which like uh, Noah and ultimately kind of ends up like regaining some eight, even more agency and kind of gets the upper hand in that dynamic by the end of the movie? Because I'm curious what you think, because part of me almost thought it was too easy and that like that's like the most predictable way she would win out in the end is that like just like um just out- outsmarting him by just like pretending to like say everything he would want to hear and i was like he I-, I almost wanted her to like outsmart a smarter guy and it turned out that he was just kind of a dummy that could be easily duped though i still like found it like thoroughly entertaining what did what what, what did you think about like just how she like you know uh makes her like i i did like how understand maybe 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 i'm uh, undercutting my point here i did think it was smart how she went about it and that she did it in an understated way like only asking like initially like oh how does it taste but saying nothing else or like uh asking like one little question at a at a time or something like that just what does it taste like or how big is the community and nothing else, not acting too interested and thus maybe kind of piquing his interest. But at the same time, it was like, it seemed like he was like, wait, a little too easy, easily manipulated for someone who's like, obviously fairly diabolical and fairly good at what he does. I have a very silly take, but Denise, if you want to go first, you can. No, go ahead. No, please feel free. Yeah. Okay. Josh, you make a good point. I'm glad you bring that up because maybe Denise will agree, but I think there's a joke in here about how, quote unquote, guys are really easy. And there's a whole joke where it's like, if you ask them questions about themselves, that they'll be like, you're, you're unlike other girls, you know, like you're so special. And so I think there's a joke in there that that was happening in the film, Um, whether that's true or not, we'll have to ask Mimi herself, but maybe it's too like spiritual woo woo. But in my head, I think it was easy because it kind of showed you like what like the dating course looks like and I think Noah's character getting that surgery I don't want to like say what happened um was literally her healing like like you know (laughs) Denise is making a gross face oh because you're reacting I I honestly when it happened I was so she bounced back so quickly the one qualm I have about the film is that she bounced back way too quickly for that we can see the body part that was excised from her body. Okay. It was it magically reappeared. Yeah, exactly. She was, she 100%. was during the final scene, she was grabbing onto it as she ran. I will say that. So it was kind of like yeah. an acknowledgement that it wasn't, uh, wasn't oh, super shit. comfortable. This has to like be gone from my body. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, so did, what did you think? Did, what, what did you think about how uh, she ultimately manipulated him? You were kind of nodding as uh, Alyssa was talking to Denise. Yeah. I think it was interesting because it, when you're stuck in a situation like that, I think, first of all, Alyssa's 
point is is very true. It's like that <laughs> you you know you you start asking a guy about his interests and like more often than not he's like super excited to just talk your ear off about it and he's like you're just like not like other girls you're like oh because you know this is ninety percent a monologue and dialogue. Here, of course, you're having fun. Yeah, I, 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 I bet you guys can imagine how predictable I would react when I find out a girl likes movies. You know, so yeah. <laughs> no, but Josh, it's okay when you do it. Um, okay, thank you. you know, yeah, that's my that's my take on that. Um, but I I I still think it was kind of interesting because it makes you wonder if you were stuck in a situation with an uncomfortable person, obviously this is kind of the, the raw end of the spectrum completely on, on one crazy side of it is like, how resourceful can you be? I think we understand that she's, she's using everything in her power. The fact that this man is physically attracted to her and maybe emotionally attracted to her, to her, for her own survival. And she's like asking, like she, she probably never even wanted to try human flesh i don't think i never got that feeling from no, her because that's why she's throwing up after it's clearly all exactly part of her right so yeah. she, the fact that you know she's able to sort of plot and i think obviously like talking to the other women around her gives her that strength too because they're all talking about how wow. helpless they feel so i think it was obviously in so many horror films and thriller films like the main character the other women get like killed and obviously there's some, some you see a group of women that have unfortunately met that fate I still think it was kind of amazing that the three of them get to leave intact that was to me kind of like the get out moment as well I was like yeah. you know and obviously there, there's that breaking of the fourth wall where like um Molly's like ex hookup bartender guy was like nah fuck this no way <laughs> it's that that was like genius to me because it it it, it proves that like these are things that we think about and we're like oh in a horror movie i'd be the first to go if i did this so the fact that the three of them were able to outsmart him and and get and best him like collectively because it, it took all three of them to take him down um i thought was was like a nice a nice um what's the word like reversal of, of how it how it usually goes so. let me ask you what guys what, what was scarier uh that final scene or the first scene the first date scene with the chat <laughs> yeah it was it was too real it was too like, <laughs> that frightening like literally the last like shot or uh, no, I, oh, no, not, not, oh, not the, va- not the last post-credit shot. I just meant like the final sequence where they have to, where, 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 where they have to go up against him versus the, uh, the first date scene. I was, I was, I was wondering which of those you actually no. thought was scarier. All <laughs> the above. Yeah. It's so, it, I will say the dialogue was so dead on as, as a woman who is online dated, I will say that like the, the dialogue was so, was so dead on. I think there's like, that, that have you ever, have you ever had a, have you ever had a guy try to criticize how you dress without criticizing how you dress? Um, other things. There was this guy I met actually, and he asked me what I did for work, and I said that I worked at an ad agency and I worked on beer. This was at my this was like years ago when I was still working um, at my old agency, and then he goes, "Oh, if I were and if I were like Bud Light, I would never hire you, or so like I would never hire an agency. Like, why would they need you?" And I was like, why? Because you're a woman okay. and women don't drink beer. I, I couldn't tell what the reasoning was. I didn't want to stick around. And, and he's like, hey, <laughs> so like, this was like at an, at a like family friends event. And he's, and I was going to go sit with my, with my friends that I knew at this, it was like a, a party for someone's engagement. And he's like, Hey, so are you going to go find like food? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, Oh, I'll follow you. And I go, no, 
I'm good. And so uh, that was kind of my understanding that negging is something that some men attempt. I don't know what the success rate is, but on me, it was largely unsuccessful. So, yeah, no, I, I, man, I, I mean, I, I've been on my share of awkward dates. No one, no, not, not the person I have uh, been on the date with being like uh, that uh, just outwardly horrible to me, but like, I mean, I, you could easily imagine something going like that just based on like what I've heard other women tell me about uh, their experiences. And I mean, I, it's, it's often hard to comprehend that like guys can think certain ways or uh, are appropriate to act. But like, I mean, even if like, even if someone's like not as horrible as that guy was like uh, any woman was within their right, they don't owe anyone anything after one date. So it's like that, that goodbye at the end was just like, not, not that I've had anyone like, like awkwardly like reject me like that at the end of a first date, but there's like, it's, it's certainly easy to imagine yourself in that situation. Like, Oh man, like this, this movie totally gets just like how uncomfortable that is. Or, I mean, in in another example of them kind of showing and not telling just how bad the thing is, is just her walk to her car after that. Um, and like, I, I think the movie is just like very smart and like doing the outwardly funny thing, but then going to the very dark thing after that, like it, it, it clearly gets a lot about like why it can be this like so frustrating, even to just like probably get home from a date or you're, I, I, or I, I think about, I mean, that, that kind of echoed what they did in, um, I, I can't, I don't know if it was season one or season two of master of none. I don't know if you guys watched that show where like they yes. had the, it was just like the open cold open of like Dev and Eric, like walking back from like a night out the bar and just like a woman walking by herself and like just contrasting the differences. Like, I think it's a pretty smart way with that, of showing and not telling that they were able to do that scene in like 15 seconds or whatever. Like it, it clearly like throws a lot at you. That's like as scary as anything in the cannibal part of the movie. And I thought I, I so I really respected the movie for that. Yeah, it's funny you bring up uh, Master of None, Josh, because I got well, it's not like really relative, but I was thinking about that part of Master of None in one of those episodes where it's like the first date montage where it's just mm. like amazing, and like the women and he like keeps going through them. I'm like, that's the other end of it. But it, it, I wonder like where Mimi got her inspiration from. It has to be a little bit of Master of None. Oh, yeah. I mean, for for sure. And I mean, I, I, I don't remember if that was in season two or season one of master of none that's i guess that's season two because season one is like more the i think that's season two because season one was more like the he has the ongoing relationship for most of the season with the with the noah wells character but yeah i mean like again i think you know if you get if you get enough 20 somethings uh in a, in a well actually this is in a writer's room like uh she well she didn't write that that was it was written by this uh lauren con person but like i mean I, it's, it has to be directed in a pretty pretty particular way too to like even get those uh to, to get that right and, get, and just edit it to get the beats of how awkward something like that can be uh just with like the 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 the, the, the way it's like him just doing one awkward thing after another during that date, whether it be the way he talks to the waiter or the way he uh, steals her food and the freaking scarf thing. Um, it was, it was, it was, a, it was a lot. Um, yeah. Do you guys have any other final thoughts on the ending of the movie that we didn't already touch on? Cause we, I, I don't think we really like actually like spoiled like how it goes other than the fact that like they obviously had to team up. Did you have any other thoughts on just like how they, how they pulled that off or, 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 or if you didn't something like with, with respect to that post-credit scene, um, anything else you didn't you want to say about that Denise oh my gosh I was hoping you'd ask Lissa because I wasn't sure I would have some sort of like intelligent thought about this well but... okay well then then I'll give my <laughs> thought about it and you guys can respond okay, to it because I, I the one thing I had because like I mean again like I said I, 
I honestly, I mean, I, it wasn't bad, but I mean, just like the final chase scene where they like hunt him down, like it all happens fairly fast. I mean, they, they come together and they, they, they just do it. And I, and I was fine with that. I didn't need it to drag on. I'd already been like thoroughly entertained to that point. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. Like it was probably kind of on the nose, the scene they have at the post credit scene where they just like, again, kind of show a lot of his clients, like eating the meat in like a, I, I didn't really, it might, I know I might not even caught it in the moment, but I caught it with the, um, when I read it on Wikipedia, they said there was like some kind of like satanic symbol there just kind of like signaling that they're part of some satanist organization i didn't necessarily grab that but like i was like i i I kind of like i like the joke at the end if nothing else again this is has nothing to do with really the action and them hunting him down but like they show all those rich dudes and i'm like oh i get it now like not that i didn't get it before but i kind of appreciated the joke how in certain ways this movie was like had an eat the rich sentiment but even though the rich people were the ones doing the literal eating i kind of like i laughed at that when i thought about it a little more because like he even makes the comment at one point when they are sharing the meal oh that this one little quote-unquote meatball it's a twenty thousand dollar meal and i thought it like actually like even in that moment right there you don't need the post-credit scene because it's kind of just saying like wow like really the rich rich people just have way too much money and i i i I appreciated how like admits everything we've already talked about, it found a way to like have that kind of message too. I don't know if, the, if that, that was something that struck you guys at all at any point, but that was kind of the one other thought I wanted to like add on there. I mean, obviously there's stuff about like, you know, we didn't even really go that deep on it, but like, obviously it's like some sort of a commentary too on like the the the, the commodic, commodification of women and how like we're controlling them and all that. But like, I was like, oh, like they're finding time to shit on reach people too. It's not surprising given that Adam McKay's involved, but like, I, 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 I was like, Oh wow. You guys found a way to like do that. Also good on you. Uh, did you have any other, th- did either of you guys have any reaction to any of those kind of beats? I will say, actually, that's great that you brought it up because I did think about class anxiety, mm-hmm. not just in this film, but I think we've heard a lot about, you know, once all of this stuff has come out about, you know, like an Island that, you know, politicians, powerful, rich people go to and, you know, women are trafficked and there's this understanding. Like, I think I'm currently that... I'm currently sitting probably about two miles from uh, one of Jeffrey Epstein's old compounds as we speak. By oh, the way. oh, my God. OK, yeah. so, yeah. So this this idea of of Jeffrey Epstein's island, the, the whole context around that, um, I I was thinking a lot about um squid game where you have these rich spectators as well i think this Mm. this these sort of like there's so much of those things that have resonated as you know the what we call the largest transfer of wealth happened in the pandemic and billionaires Mm. became absurdly wealthy and and as you know we have we hit nine percent inflation almost in the united states and people cannot afford gas and people you know everywhere are 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 struggling. Um, that sort of message, I think, is it really resonates. This idea of like rich people can can really quite literally own own others, and maybe you know, hopefully, there's not the satanic ring. We're not going to get into some sort of weird conspiracy theory, but you know, it, you you do you do think about that. The fact that a handful of people can make decisions that affect billions of others. So I, I did think that that was that was a pretty powerful way to bring that to the to the film for sure for sure Lisa, any other thoughts on the movie anything about we didn't really talk about the look of the movie i don't know if you have feelings on that particularly i mean uh i mean as awful as this dude is he has a pretty dope house uh aside from like the whole dungeon part i would say but like it it it, It is dope i agree (laughs) yeah 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 i mean did you have any other thoughts Lisa, on how it was shot or any other parts of the movie that we didn't touch on before we wrapped up oh man you're giving me a holistic question well now that i've kind of chewed on it Mm -hmm. 
uh, um, a little bit about. <laughs> I'm kind of realizing too, I think for me, what I realized the wife's character signifies, especially towards the end yeah, is like, women can't win like if you're supporting your if you're supporting your psychotic man you're not gonna win and then with the last shot it's like if you're in that dating world you're not gonna win so it's like you might as well have a little lol um (laughs) while you're at it so honestly just wanted to add that part where you guys are talking about it but also Overall, I really love the, oh, go ahead. I I was just gonna say, I think that's a good point because I mean, like, like you said, I mean, obviously like you're not going to really get anywhere one way or the other, if you're sticking with a guy like that, but even when that, that's even a good theme of the whole movie. Cause like, even when when you seemingly find a guy that like everything is right about, like uh, oftentimes eh, not the case. Yeah. It's a nice comparison of being like, well, Noah's character is dating, uh, Steve's wife's character is married, but like they're both in bad situations. So it's like kind of like choose your lesser of two evils, which is now I'm realizing is a really good comparison for the film. Cause you're like, when you think about the wife's character, you're like, she's wild for staying with him. But it's like, that's a lot of people's, you know, everyday choices to stay with like weirdo psycho men. So, you know, it's a good, it's a good thinking point for I think a lot of people going out of this film. Actually, I do have one other thing I want to ask you about. We didn't actually, I feel like we didn't give Daisy Edgar Jones her due. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I, I, I know for, for the longest time, I think, I can't remember, uh, Denise, if you ever actually ended up watching Normal People or not. I don't know for a while you were like planning to, or you, I don't know if you'd read the book or what. Did you have any other like really feelings about her coming to the movie, aside from the fact that we like to joke that she looks like you? Uh, did you have any other like takeaways after actually getting to watch her in a movie like this? And how do you think she did? Yeah, so I actually read, um, normal people. I've read the entirety of it. I've only watched part of the show, but mm, I, okay. I do plan on going back. Um, I think she's to me, the perfect type of person for this role, because she still kind of has this air of like, you know, she's in her, you know, early to mid twenties still has this sort of like innocence about her, but you can tell that she, you know, she holds her own. She has some interests. Um, I think she has a sort of bubbly effervescent personality in some ways that really like it's quite charming even though she can be a bit um I still thought she was a bit of an introvert and you can see that in the way that she interacts with um you know with the characters in the film and obviously with uh oh my god I'm blanking guys it's too late in the yeah Steve (laughs) I was like that's right yeah um many names yeah too many names too many names with with Steve um but I thought she she did a really great job I think especially when she under, you know, she wakes up disoriented, handcuffed to mm-hmm. me, that scene where, where she's like, is this a joke? Like you can see that there, there's this sort of couple of minutes of realization and, and like horror that feels really real. I think the fact that, you know, with the subject material, like the fact that this movie goes from rom-com to horror in, in, you know, 40, 35 minutes. Um, I thought that she was able to, to balance those things quite well. Um, and her timing, her comedic timing is good. So, yeah, I think one thing I want to shout out. Yeah, she she somehow does manage to like find some funny notes. It's funny when she tells a couple of like cannibal jokes during the scenes where they're quote unquote on dates at the end. But I think one thing I want to highlight about it was that she has to do a lot of like acting with her face because she's just like taking in that room or uh, trying to act pretty disgusting with him without being like too outwardly disgusting and disgusted in a way that would like rub him the wrong way in those first scenes where she's just like visiting her in the dungeon but then when she actually gets to go back up to the top of the house and eat with him and stuff you can tell she's like plotting 
but they're just showing her observing different things in the house. And she is having to like take that in and like uh, find some subtle way to acknowledge this, all that stuff without saying anything. And one, one of the examples of him being really dumb was keeping Molly's uh, cell phone case where she could see it uh, when he opened up that painting. But like, she even has to like figure out a way to like have a flash of recognition come across her face without really reacting too much. So, I mean, you know, I don't, in a lot of movies, uh, whether they, a lot in a lot of horror movies or uh, rom-coms or whatever, like, which is like, it's a mashup of that, you know, like your, your, your reactions are not often that subtle. It's, I mean, she gets, she gets the scream in that first moment where she wakes up, but like, aside from the rest of that, she really has to like uh, play with, play with the poker face. And I thought it was really cool that she was like able to do that. Um, Alyssa, did you have any other thoughts on Daisy Edgar Jones or <laughs> any other performances or any other final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, uh, not too many thoughts on her. I'm actually not familiar with her. I haven't seen normal people. I know I'm really far behind. I'm so sorry. You guys, you guys would get a kick out of it if you do watch normal. I mean, I guess you've read the book, Denise, but it is like one of my problems with normal people as a show, I'll say, is that like, and I don't know how this matches up with the books, but like, uh, man, she like, you know, there's like the main relationship in it, but then the characters go their separate ways. But like one, one of my criticisms of the show is that like the other guy she dates on the show, aside from like uh, Connell, like they get like so comically progressively terrible that it feels like the show was like wanting, like trying to tip the scales in the balance of you, like cheering for them as a the, the, the central couple as a couple when it's like, I didn't really think it needed that. Like they, some of the guys are just comically awful in the stuff they do to her in the show. And I was wow. just like, so it's like, it's just like kind of funny that like, that was my main criticism of that show. And then I go to this and it's like, she now she's like dating a cannibal um but but like i, I still think I, th I still think you would probably enjoy normal people but it was just like a, a funny thing for me to like go from that to this with them being like the only things i've ever seen her in i know poor girl yeah denise said uh give daisy a rom-com she needs it mm. i think she's booked and busy for some two other projects but i forgot what i saw it on deadline yeah i did too uh so you can be in like some other kind of like series with from uh reese witherspoon's production company or something like that that's based on that book where the crawdads sing they oh that's right oh, that's yes. right i heard yeah sorry josh did you ask like did you asked i don't know did, yeah no just any other final thoughts yeah we're, we're about wrapped up oh yeah um i only wanted to add that i have a controversial mm. take yeah um for those of you who have seen ex machina I know we are all big fans of the dance scene, mm. but I made a controversial take on Instagram when I first watched it. And I Solid. said, you guys, I think this dance scene is better than the ex machina dancing. And I think I still stand by it, but um, so I, I want to know everyone like comment, subscribe, like <laughs> what you think, who agrees, who that doesn't agree, but that is a bold stance. Yeah. Uh, hate, hate mail inducing. I mean, yeah. they, 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 they like I will not be sharing my Twitter yeah. and Instagram after this. Yeah, yeah. They, they say they say they serve very different narrative purposes in their movies, though. I, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I can't fault anyone for like taking that stance. I mean, we're right. like, you know, next Machina, it's like, no, we're just going to like show you how freaking weird this Oscar Isaac character is here. It's I like, know. you know, like it, it, it's more incorporated as part of the plan, given, you know, he asked her to dance earlier in the movie. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny that it's cool that they did it in such a stylish way though. Um, exactly. And I will, there's another A24 film that just came out that it has a really good dance scene. So that's maybe my top three right now, but I'll save that for another podcast. But before we go back to Denise, I just wanted to add that to that end in terms of the dancing scene. Mm -hmm. I think the music was really powerful in this film and it was really well selected. It kind of catered to like millennials. So I think that's also why I really liked it between like blood orange and like the yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it was really a great choice to end with like heads will roll. And then I was gonna have something else. I forgot. Mm. But anyways, yeah, right. great dancing scene, great music choice. 
I really liked how well it was shot and it was under two hours. Thank you, Mimi. Mm. Uh, Denise, any final thoughts on Fresh? Um, I have to agree with everything Lissa said. That was what I was going to bring up as well. I think this was beautifully shot. Cinematography was really clean. Um, and the music was both, you know, there was that Radiohead cover too when they first the, their first dinner together. The Golden so, Girls, the Golden yeah. Girls cover oh too. My God. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so it was, I, I really think the, the, the music had that sort of like dream pop escapey type of thing that was part of the, the sort of romance of the beginning of the film. And yet it had that sort of sinister, there were, there were tracks that were sinister enough to really clue you in on, Hey, it's something it's not quite right here. Um, so I agree the, the music choice was, was really impeccable. And I think ultimately, you know, I am not a horror connoisseur. I think I've seen, I personally, like I can do thrillers, but I can't do like paranormal for the most part. Um, I think I've seen the only three like horror films in recent years that I can think of were Us, Get Out, and now I would still put, you know, I'd still put Fresh in there. Um, we truly tricked you I, into doing another one. I know, I know. I was like, oh, but it, it, um, I honestly really, really enjoyed it. I was, you know, there, there's still those like moments of horror that you can appreciate where, you like wince when you're watching it and you're like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen. So I obviously had those moments, but um, it was a really enjoyable two hours. And I think like just the, the sort of like turning the horror of dating into like a, a very true, very like physical horror was a, was a good choice. So um, I think this the satirical element of the film I liked. So ultimately like um, I, I enjoyed myself. I would say that I like this film. So. High praise if you don't like horror that you, that the movie that the movie got you to that point. I I also I also enjoyed it even if you know it took it, it took me I had to think about it a little longer to to you know figure out what else I could really take from it beyond the dating stuff because I thought that was going to be more of it but like I still appreciated where it went, went and that it was surprising and did it in a very uh very stylish manner with some uh, fun performances. Uh, Lissa, before we sign off, anything else you want to plug that you've been watching recently or any other personal social media stuff? Ooh, I am scared to give the listeners my socials now that we've talked about not having oh, socials. No, I'm just kidding. Better, you, um, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, give me all your give me all your hot takes. I am at Lissa Lissa on Letterbox L I S S A twice. You can follow me on Instagram. I don't think I've plugged it, but now I'm public. Oh, uh, so you can follow me on Instagram at Lissa Koch K H O S H. And what have I been watching? Um, I feel weird plugging disney stuff because it's my employer but that's what people do all the time like elijah used to do that all the time when he worked for turner and uh, oh true okay elijah's a homie he gets it um i do want to plug moon knight i don't know what's going on because i've never read any of the comics but it's really fun to see you know a middle eastern north african representation and the last episode and oscar isaac of course we brought him up in the podcast so perfect callback so i'd say moon knight and then what else have we watched uh, I think that's it for me. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I you blood? recommended Moon Knight. I haven't gotten to Moon Knight yet, so I, I'm I don't I just hasn't made it. So it's good to know you liked it. Yeah, you guys have to watch it. Let me know. Can I plug a book? Is that weird? No, no. Okay, I just finished. Well, okay, I can make it relative. I just finished Crying in H Mart by Michelle yes. Zahner, who is the lead singer of Japanese Breakfast, and I just learned that the book is going to be turned into a movie. So yes, it, what's I it, heard what, about what, that. What's too. it about? Can you give us a, a fifteen second? Oh, yes. So it's about um, Michelle's kind of difficult relationship with your mother who passed away super a few years ago, and how she kind of finds herself and understanding her culture and not 
feeling like she's Korean enough and not feeling like she's American enough and her navigating that into young adulthood. Mm. Oh, well, good. Uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good wreck. Uh, Denise, what, 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 anything you've been watching recently you want to plug? Um, okay. So I will say if you, I never update, but Josh is every time I go on this podcast, I'm like, I really have to start. Hopefully this is the impetus. After I wasn't going to bother you about letterbox this time. I hadn't even thought about <laughs> but, it, but now, but now that's okay. My letterbox, Plug your LinkedIn, is, Denise. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. my letterbox is even though I'm on LinkedIn way too much. I don't even want to talk about that. Um, it's just so silly. It's like a reflex now. Um, it was a rom-com. Yeah, my letterbox account is it was a rom-com. Feel free to follow me there, whatever you want to do. Um, and then I actually have just started watching the HBO Max original. Not sure if either of you have seen it called Made for Love. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I just started. So no, no spoilers, please. But um, I, that's the type of like satire I like. So I know it's based, I think Alyssa Nutting like, created it and i know I think, it's based I think, on her novel i think it's well. a pretty i think it's a pretty good recommendation for this movie given that there's some uh, fairly similar themes in there yeah so sh- just to kind of give the the quick spiel like sh- this woman is married to a tech billionaire um she asks for a divorce and he's like implanted a chip in her brain in order to follow her and um i guess you know put some thoughts into her head and so um this idea of women escaping these men with weird interests makes, makes uh, weird, powerful men with interests. So it makes, makes sense. Um, but I would recommend it. Speaking so of, far. speaking of chips and brains, uh, the night before we were recording this right now, I started severance. I just, if I finally got around to it, cause everyone had been talking about oh, it so much on Apple TV plus yeah. both, uh, both our friends, uh, Fred and Logan had independently plugged it on podcast though. I've not actually put out the episode I did with Logan on Cyrano because I'm waiting for that to come to streaming for less than $20, but they both recommended it uh, in the last couple of months. And I finally was like, all right, I've seen too many people talk about this. Apparently the season finale was incredible. I'm going to start it. So I watched the first two episodes. They were solid, uh, but like based on what everyone says, I'm excited to keep going. So um, yeah, Apple TV plus lots of good stuff on there and not that expensive actually. So highly recommend people do that. As usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-B-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterboxd. Podcast Twitter is at Pod podcast email is rewindmoviepod at gmail.com uh i'm not i'm not even gonna tell you guys what's coming up next because uh i'm still probably a couple weeks from putting this out because i have a couple more things that are actually in theaters that are probably going to get posted first and then uh and then people listen to this episode but rest assured we will have something next week maybe on the northman actually because that's i know one that's coming uh in about a week and a half as always though uh thanks to lissa and denise for joining me that was this was so much fun uh and thanks to all of you for listening we will see you next time Bye.